Turn in your Bibles to First um, Timothy chapter 3 as we continue, of course, our study of Paul's letter to his friend Timothy. He writes giving instructions individually to Timothy to encourage him, but he also writes giving instructions to the church at Ephesus. He had left Timothy there. He writes now to tell the church how it's to function. As we get into chapter 3, we're seeing the characteristics of men who are to take leadership in the local body. In fact, what we're seeing in this little section... As we'll get it up here in just the characteristics. First Timothy 3, verses 2 through 7, really the characteristics of elders. Deacons go on and start at verse 8 and go on a little further. But this is the, that area in which we're looking at this. We saw last time and raised some questions like, what is leadership? Why the need for leadership? The two, what are the two offices, the office of elder and deacon? This morning we're going to begin to look at characteristics. Now, as we do that, I want you to realize that these are marks, these are characteristics of maturity. We're realizing that when we look through these characteristics in chapter 3, which are really what, what, the, what an elder or deacon is supposed to be like, they're really marks of maturity. And our goal is that as we go through this, is we, we, we want to look at our own lives. Each one of us in this room, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're younger or older, even though this is written to give characteristics of an elder and then a deacon, we can make application to say, listen, these are, these are marks of maturity. These are characteristics of somebody who is growing and mature. We want to be mature people. So, we want to look at this and say, do we, do we have these characteristics in our lives? And that's what we want to do. Whether we're men or women, we want to look at these characteristics of maturity and we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I want to start by reading the passage. We didn't have a scripture reading this morning, but I want to start at verse 2. We're going to look at verse 2 through verse 7. Here's what it says. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Well, that's the, basically the, the passage this morning, and we want to see how it fits together. I knew a man who was in a leadership position in a church. This has been some number of years ago. He's very involved in ministry. In fact, he was a leader. He was on, on the board. He had some problems at home, had some problems with his wife. In fact, he had some conflict with his wife, and the police were called out to his house. And... Uh, his wife came to see some of the other leaders, and she began to tell them about the issues and the problems they were having at home, and even the problems with their children, and there were great conflicts. So some of the men in the church called in this man who was a fellow leader with them, and they said this, you know, at this time in your life, with so much disruption going on in your home, with the conflict between you and your wife and your children, maybe it'd be a good time if you just step down from the position of leadership in the church for a while, and then after getting everything back the way it should be, then possibly you'll get back in leadership again. He said, My home has nothing to do with my ministry in the church. I do a good job at the church. It does not, should not and does not matter what goes on in my home. Well, we find this morning as we look at First Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, that he's wrong that we realize that what happens at home does have a bearing on ministry. And the home and the church go together. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 says, He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? It does matter about our homes 
And men who desire leadership in a local church must manage their homes well. And when we begin to look at people who are going to be in place of leadership, one of the very first places that must be examined is their home. As we look at these passages, these verses this morning that I read, I want you to understand that these are characteristics of a person who is to be in a leadership position in a church. But they're also characteristics of maturity. And so every one of us in this room, whether you're a man or a woman, can look at these places and say, is this true in my life? This is how I am. Am I growing? Am I maturing? Do I have these characteristics in my life? Because that's the goal, that we would be mature people. Now, as we begin, as we remember, we moved into chapter 3, Paul begins to deal with the two offices, the elder and the deacon. In fact, this is the way it breaks down. In verses 1 through 7, he talks about the elder, and in verses 8 through 13, he talks about the office of the deacon. We'll see that. This week, we'll go very quickly. There's a lot of things there. In fact, there are 15 characteristics found in the verses that we read already. We will go through those very quickly so you can see how they fit together. What we did is we started last week, we raised five things that we're looking at. We talked about what is leadership. We talked about the need for leaders. We talked about the two offices of elder and deacon. Then we're getting into the characteristics of these men, elders and deacons, and we'll make application in our lives. Because even though these are men, and even though they're positions of leadership in a local church, all of us, men or women, want to have these characteristics of maturity. Let me remind you of what we saw. We saw leadership. We said, what is leadership? Simply put, leadership is servanthood. If you want to be great for God, you'll have to be a servant. You'll have to use your gifts, talents, and abilities for the glory of God as you serve God and serve others. We talked about the need for leadership. And what we said was this, that without leadership within the body, the body has has no example, no direction, and no accountability. We find that when churches have great leaders and men are doing the things they're supposed to do, the church functions well. When there's not good leadership, the church does not function very well. Very well. The third thing is we talked about the two offices. And we talked about their two offices, elder and deacon. I just want to put this up. The word elder literally means older man. And so what we see the office of elder is older men who oversee the body as they shepherd the flock. We could actually say it this way, mature men who oversee the body as they shepherd the flock. We said there were three words for the pastoral role, which is an elder, a pastor, or an overseer. And they all refer to the same office. And so that's older men, mature men, overseeing the body as they shepherd the flock. We talked about the word deacon. The word deacon literally means a servant. It means to stir up dust. And that's another office. And so you have two offices. One office, which is men who are helping oversee the flock and and, and shepherd the body. And then you have ones that help with the ministries and carry out the ministries. Both require that you be godly men. That's what we're talking about. So what are they like? And we're going to see those. Let's talk about the characteristics of these men. Now, as I said a while ago, uh, just so as you look at this, you say, well, look, I'm not a man, or I'm not, gonna, I'm not planning to be an elder. You might say, I'm still in college. Uh, I don't plan to be an elder uh, or a deacon. What you want to look at this as, how can we make application in our lives? Because these are characteristics of maturity. And you want to be a mature man, and you want to be a mature woman. We started off by saying that in any place of leadership, there has to be uh, some characteristics. And there was a prerequisite for leadership, and we saw it last week, and it was this, that if anyone wanted the office of an elder, the prerequisite, I think the next slide, is they must desire the place of eldership. They must desire that responsibility. Verse 1 says that it's a trustworthy statement that if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work that they desire to do. If a person uh, is going to be in leadership, they should desire to be in leadership. Now, I've talked, I told you this last week, but I talked to my friends, I talked to other pastors, and they say that sometimes in their churches they're, they're, they're begging men to be in places of leadership. They'll go to a person and they'll say, we want you to be an elder. 
we want you to be a deacon. And they'll go, I don't want to be. And they'll say, look, we just don't have anybody. Would you consider it even just for one year? And a man will say something like, well, I don't really want to, but if you don't have anybody else, I'll do it. That's not what we're talking about. A person who wants to be in a place of leadership or a person who is to be in a place of leadership should desire that. That's why Paul says, if a man desires, if he aspires to the office of overseer or elder or pastor, it's a fine work that he desires to do. So the first thing is they, they wanted to do that. They want that place of leadership. The second thing is there is an overarching characteristic, and that is they're above reproach. Look at verse 2. An overseer then must be above reproach. And that means no glaring weaknesses. It means the person of character. That means if you said their name... If somebody said, what about this name? And if you said that name, some people might go, oh, that person, he's, uh, he's not honest. That's not being above reproach. It means this, that when somebody says that name, people go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, good man, good person. Now, what we want, since we're trying to look at these characteristics as a whole, not just for the elders, we'd say this. When somebody says your name, what do people think? When somebody says your name, do they say, oh, yeah, good I'd get, oh, that's a good person. That's a good woman. That's a good man. That's a good girl. That's a good person. That's what you want to be. You want to be above reproach. Now, what I'm going to do is we're going to look at these things. There are about 15 of them. We're going to go very quickly through them. There's only going to be a couple that I'm going to go into details on. But they're going to be divided into four areas. Relationship to self and others. Relationship to family, the idea of maturity, and then reputation. Those four things. Let's start first with relationship to self and others. I'm going to give you the first one, and this is the one I'm going to talk about the most because it's the one that's the most misunderstood. Verse 2 says, An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Now, in the Greek, it says, Mias gunikas andras, which means a one-woman man. That's what it means. This idea, when people interpret this or try to interpret what this means, because we're talking now about elders. We're talking about a person who can be in leadership, and one of the characteristics is a one-woman man. We would say it this way, a one-woman type man. Now, the interpretations have ranged from some people saying you can only be married to one woman at a time. And some say, no, no, you can only be married to one woman ever. And if your wife died and you wanted to marry somebody else, you couldn't be in leadership anymore because you'd be more than a one-woman man. Well, I don't think that's what it teaches. In fact, the bottom line is there it's saying that you've got to be a character of a man, of, of a one-woman type man. That you're a godly man who is connected with, satisfied with, you've got the one woman. Okay, we all know that there are people that there are some men that they're always looking for somebody and always looking for somebody to look for them. That's not a one woman type man. Some people think this passage and it's been interpreted. People have taken this to mean that when a man, if a man's ever been divorced, he cannot be in a place of leadership. That's not what this passage says at all. If Paul wanted to use the word divorce, there is a Greek word for divorce. He didn't use it. He used one woman man because he's talking about characteristics of a person. I want you to understand there's been some men, some men who have been married and divorced and then gone on with their lives and be great godly men and who fit these characteristics and can be in places of leadership in a church. This is not saying if you've ever been divorced, you can't be in leadership. Some people try to take it that way. That's not what it says. It says a one-woman man. If he wanted to say a person cannot be divorced, he could have put that in there. He didn't do that. So I just want you to understand that, that the bottom line here is a man who is loyal to one woman, who is a man who is connected. Uh, there are men that are not married that are, that are one-woman type men. There are men that are married that are not one-woman type men. 
And so uh, that's what we're looking for. At bottom line, some people say if a man's not loyal here, it, it's hard. It's hard to be loyal anywhere. Okay? So that's a hard thing there. So it, it, I just want you to understand that. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. The second thing, let me go, I'm going to go through these very quickly. The second word is the word temperate. And the word temperate means a proper perspective on life. What, and that means they choose what's important and what's best. Prof. Hendricks used to say that we have a lot of choices. Sometimes people say our choices are between good and bad. Not really. Most of us, our choices are between what's good and what's best. And this is a person that knows and makes choices and says, this is a good thing, but this is the best. And a person who is mature, a maturing person, is a person that can look at things and say, this is good, this is best. Second, a third one down is the word prudent. Sometimes you see the word prudent and you think of prude and you think it means something somebody doesn't want to do anything. But this literally means balanced view of self and God. This is the person that sees himself and says, I know I've sinned and come short of the glory of God, but at the same time I'm a child of God because I've trusted in Jesus Christ and I'm a godly person in that sense. Some people look at themselves in the wrong way. Have you ever talked to people and they say something like this? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I mean, that's how they look at themselves. That they're just, they're just a mess. Well, the truth is, we are sinners saved by grace, but we're children of God. We've been born again. We have a new life. We're a different person. And so this word prudent actually says, I see myself balanced. I see how I relate to God. And, and so how do you view yourself? A mature person doesn't go around saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. They say, I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm going to live for the glory of God. Okay? So that's the third one. The fourth one is the word respectable. Now, this has nothing to do with testimony. This means a balanced life. That's what the word means in the Greek. It means balanced. It doesn't get off on tangents. When we look at life, we go, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine. They don't say, this is the only thing I'm going to do. They have a balanced life. And that comes with maturity. And so we see that as well. The next one is the word hospitable. And that's, of course, still in verse 2. It says hospitable. This literally means lover of strangers. That's what it means. It means uh, a person. It means they love people. It means to open the home. If a person's going to be mature, if a person's going to be a leader, they got to like people. You know some people don't like people, right? You know that. They don't like people. I love people. I love to look at people. I love to talk to people. I love to be with people. Some of you, you love people as well. If you're going to be in a place of leadership, if you're going to, as you grow and mature, you've got to love people. You know why? Because ministry is people. Ministry is not programs. Ministry is not things you're going to do. Ministry is people. And if you're going to touch lives for Jesus Christ, you've got to love people. And that's what this says. The maturity idea is that hospitable, they open their home. Is what, you know, it literally means a lover of strangers. It means you care about people and you reach out to people. That's a characteristic of a maturing person. The last thing which is found in verse 2 says, able to teach. Able to teach. And that means able to communicate God's word. Now that doesn't mean you have to have the gift of teaching. That means a person as they mature is able to know what they believe and tell other people about what they believe. As I said, this is not the gift of teaching. Some people have the gift of teaching and they love to study and they love to teach and, and they teach and all that. But this is that as you grow and mature, you're able to communicate to others what you believe and what you know. And so as all believers, we're supposed to be able to communicate that and tell people and help other people grow. And so a mature person, a person who's going to be an elder in a church, he ought to be able to communicate to people what he believes and what the Bible says. For all of us who are maturing and growing, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. It takes time. That's why 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, Take the things that you've been taught and trust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. 
Okay, look at the next one as we start verse 3. And I'm going to go quickly through them. This one says, not addicted to wine. It literally in the Greek says, not staying long at drink. All that means is a person doesn't really like to drink. This is a person that alcohol is fine. And it's like, fine, but it's not something I have to have. They're not controlled by alcohol. Our whole society is so messed up, and people are always asking questions like, is it a sin to drink and all this? I have college people come to me, and they say, J.B., is it, is it like a sin to drink? And I always say, how old are you? Right? Because if you're under 21, it's a sin to drink because it's against the law. If you're over 21 or 21 or older, then it's not a sin to drink. But the question is then, how, how, do you like to drink? What do you want to drink? What's the whole issue there? And I made a choice a long time ago since I'm over 21. Uh, I can drink, but I made a choice a long time ago that since, especially with my position as a pastor, but even when I coached at Mississippi State, I made a decision that in order to have a testimony as a as a man of God, as a guy who's going to live for Jesus Christ, that I'd probably just stay away from it totally so that nobody could see me and say, oh, I didn't know Coach Bond or I didn't know J.B. drank, and, and that might affect my testimony. You have to make those decisions as well. It's not a sin to drink. It's a sin to get drunk. The person who is mature, alcohol is not an issue for them. They don't love it. They don't want to be with it. And it's just, not that they, this passage doesn't say people can't drink. It just says it's not an issue for them. It says they don't stay long at drink. That's where we mature and as we grow in those areas. Look at the next one. It says not a drink connected to one or pugnacious. You know what pugnacious means? It means to fight. It means a striker. It means somebody who likes to hit people. And you know, if you're going to be a mature person, you can't hit people. Let me show you the difference between maturity and immaturity. You ever seen a guy who's mature, and somebody makes some remark about him, and he goes, that's maturity. Here's immaturity. A guy goes by, somebody makes a remark, and he goes, you talking to me? Hey, you talking to me? You going to talk to me? That's immaturity. That's immaturity. The scripture says a wise man overlooks an insult. You talking to me? Right? (laughs) This is this person as they mature, they're not a striker. I had a friend, I've told this story before, I had a friend who's a pastor and they had he he was in a church which they had deacons, and there were seven, seven or eight deacons in a meeting one day, and they got sort of into a argument in the deacons meeting, and one of the deacons punched the other deacon in the nose. Boom! You know, so after that, he wasn't a deacon anymore, right? So bottom line, you can't be a striker if you're going to be in a place of leadership. And if you're going to be mature, physical's not the way to go. There may be times to defend your family, defend your life, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about a person who's always hitting, always angry, always frustrated, always wants to use the physical to deal with their things. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, look at the next one. It says, here's the contrast, but let me just read them. Gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Gentle. Gentle means to be kind and concerned for others. It actually almost has an idea of humility. That's how we relate to people. We relate to people with gentleness. Jesus Christ was gentle, and he was the greatest man that ever lived. And some people say things like, if you're gentle, you're like, people won't respect you, or they'll think you're a sissy or something. No, they won't. Not when you live in the power of God. And you touch lives for Jesus Christ, you'll make all the impact in the world. And so he says you must be gentle. And then it says peaceable. Some Bibles have uncontentious. Peaceable, peaceable means that you don't have to have your way. Let me tell you, if you're going to be in leadership and you're on a board, you're in a meeting, and you say, I think we ought to do this. And then as it goes through and it doesn't go your way, if they say, well, thanks for that suggestion, but we're going to go do this. 
A person who's not this says, I quit. If y'all not going to do what I say, if y'all not going to go with my ideas, i got some good ideas, if you're not going to go with it. See, some people have to always have their ways. You know, if they don't have their way, they take their models and go home, right? They just get up and quit. You've all seen people like that. It doesn't go their way, they quit. person who's mature, and that's what we're talking about, we're talking about you being mature. Maturity says, I don't always get my way. I don't always expect to get my way. Then always go our way. Look at the next one. Wow, the very end of verse 3, free from the love of money. It has nothing to do with the amount of money. It has to do with your attitude toward money. I have seen very wealthy people who are free from the love of money. I have seen very poor people who are just dying to have money. This is the idea of materialism. There's some people who have got all the money in the world and they're giving it away and money and things just don't mean anything to them. You've seen people who don't have any money and all they want is things and possessions. The person of maturity gets to the point where things, they just are not materialistic. Albert Schweitzer said, if you have something that you can't live without, it owns you, you don't own it. We live in a society that pushes materialism, that says you've got to have the right clothes and the right car and the right this and the right this. And so we're in that world that is conforming us, that's trying to push us in, and it's always telling us this. Mature people say, listen, things are things. And they all break. See, that's the thing. I, I finally grew up. I finally matured in a sense with things because I realized that the more things you have, the more you just have to break because everything breaks. Everything wears out. Everything tears up. You get a new one of these and you say, if I just had this one, I'd be okay. You get it and you go, this is great. And then there's another one. And then you go, but if I just had that one, because things can never satisfy you. And so a person who's mature isn't materialistic. It's just not the issues. How do you view things? Well, what we've seen is that a person in leadership has, has to be a one-woman type man, a proper perspective on life, proper view of God, not self-willed, balanced, not caught up in drink, not materialistic, not self-willed. How do you and I measure up? How are we doing? Okay. From there, and I'm going to go very quickly, relationship to family, because that's the second one. Look at this, verses 4 and 5. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity, because if a man doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? The man is the head of his home. We've already talked about that. It is his responsibility to direct his household. He is responsible to provide and protect his family. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6, and chapters 5 and 6 talk about it. The husband is to love and to lead and to provide and protect and to train up his children. And if a man cannot manage his household, he cannot be in a place of leadership in the church. And one of the marks of maturity is how a man deals with his home. And it says here that he must manage his own household well, keeping his children under control with dignity, because if not, he can't manage the church. In Titus chapter 1, verse 6, it says he must have faithful children, which means they obey him, they do what is right. In fact, it says in that verse, it's a little bit harsh, it says, not accused of wild living. His children cannot be accused of wild living. Why is this so important that he manages his home? Because if you can't manage your household, you can't take care of the things of God. You realize that the husband's role is the provider protector of his family. He is a spiritual leader. He directs his family. He protects them. That's exactly what the leaders do in a local church. They shepherd the flock, First Peter chapter 5. They feed and protect and they lead and they direct. And so in the same way that a man must control his home, his wife, control his house and his family and his children and all that, then the leader in the church has to do the same thing. And that's why you look at that and say, how does he do there? Because if he can't do that there, he can't do that here. 
Two more things quickly. It has to do with his maturity, and it, you cannot be a new believer if you're going to be in a place of leadership. And if these are marks of maturity, it comes to expect that you can't be mature if you're a brand new believer. You can be spiritual, but you can't be, a, be mature. Maturity takes time. Spirituality is when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. A brand new believer can be spiritual because you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit the moment you believe in Jesus Christ. But maturity takes time. Notice what it says. It not be a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation occurred, uh, con- uh, incurred by the devil. You can't be a new believer and be in a place of leadership. You can't be a new believer and be a mature person it takes time to grow notice what it says because what would happen if you put a new believer or a young believer in a place of responsibility they become conceited and fall how many times have you seen some movie star some famous singer some actor some something they become a christian and suddenly they're on every talk show in america they put in a place of responsibility they've been a christian for a week and now they're on some show telling about their faith in christ what happens to those guys if you notice over the years they fail not that they don't become not that they lose their salvation but they're not mature they're not ready for that you can't keep people in that kind of leadership and those kind of positions when they're brand new believers you just can't do it and so this is these are marks of maturity there's one other part that goes with this it's over in Titus i want to tell you this i've got it right up here by the way, it is pride. Spiritual journey is a long fall. Titus chapter 1 verse 9 goes back to this maturity thing, and it says that those who are in places of leadership hold fast the Word of God. We, li- we live according to the Scripture. If you're going to be mature, you must live according to the Scripture. So each one of us out here, even though these are characteristics of leadership, we're talking about maturity here, and we're talking about the characteristics of a godly person. You want to be a person who lives according to the Scripture. There's one last thing, and that's verse 7. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the stare and the snare of the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside the body. The unbelieving community. Let me tell you, if you think that you can have a terrible reputation in the community and be in leadership in a local church, it will not work. How do people see you? How do the unbelievers see you? What do they think about you? Are you a person of character? How do you deal with people who aren't Christians? How do you deal in this fallen world? It says so that they have a good reputation with those outside the church so that you'll not fall in the reproach and the snare of the devil, which is, of course, the sin and the pride and all of those things. John Walford, president of Dallas Seminary for years and, and one of the great Bible teachers, he's passed away. But here's how he sums this up. Here's what he says. Elders should desire to serve and be willing to take responsibility. His personal life must be exemplary and his marriage must be strong. His life is to be under control so that he's well respected. He must have the ability to communicate, to possess a gentle spirit, not affected by wealth, able to manage his own family, and a mature believer. He is to have a good reputation with those outside the believer, outside the body, and those within the community. When we start looking at these characteristics of an elder, we're also realizing their characteristics of maturity. And so each of us in this room could say, how can I apply this in my life? Am I growing? How do I measure up to these things? Am I maturing? Am I growing to be like Jesus Christ? Because that's the plan, isn't it? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to have these characteristics. Next time, we'll go quickly through the characteristics of the deacon. We'll see how that fits together. Let me give you some applications, okay? First one is this. Let us become men 
and women having characteristics of maturity in our lives. As we look at these things here, we want to be mature people. Now, it is expected that if a person is going to be in leadership in a church, if a man is going to take a leadership position, he has to be mature. These are characteristics of maturity. But for all of us, many of you are not going to say, saying, well, I'm not going to be an elder or a deacon in a church, but how do these characteristics shape up in our lives? Are we growing to be more and more like Christ? How do you do that? Well, you've got to know and apply the Bible. You've got to dig the Scripture and then make application in your life because as you're doing that, as you're knowing the Word, as you're living it out, you're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Very powerful. Second, for the men, there's several questions. And I'm, I'm talking about men who are interested in leadership. Several questions. Are you above reproach? How do you stack up in these areas listed? And are you maturing? There may be some men even in our, in our assembly this morning, in our church, that are saying, I, I, I desire, I would love to be in a place of leadership in a church. I would like to be an elder someday or a deacon someday. Well, the questions that we ask is, are you above reproach? How do you measure up on, on all of these characteristics? Are you growing? Are you maturing? That's a key. And the challenge would be for all of us that we want to measure up in this way. One last thing, and that is this. Pray for countryside, our country, uh, countryside leadership, elders, deacons, and staff. We have some great men who are on the board. We have great elders and deacons here. We have great staff. They're godly men who love Jesus Christ. But pray. Pray that, that we'll all continue to grow, that we'll continue to have these characteristics in life that will uh, be godly men who fit this and who are growing and who are seeking to make an impact for Jesus Christ. The goal, of course, for all of us is this, that we want to grow and mature and have the characteristics that we find in this passage we want to be found in our lives. And then may we continue to pray for those in leadership at Countryside. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. Lord, we know that sometimes when you look at lists like this, people, you know... Uh, think maybe it doesn't apply to them, but Lord, thank you that we can make application realizing that these marks of maturity, these characteristics of mature people can be applied in our lives. And Lord, we want to be that way. I pray, Lord, that we men and women who have characteristics of maturity that will be like this, that will grow, will know and apply the Word of God in our lives. Lord, I pray if there's any men in this group that, that, are, that are desiring to be in leadership, that they'll continue to grow, that they'll be above reproach, that they'll look at these characteristics and continue to be maturing so that someday they can be raised up and take places of leadership. And Lord, I just ask you if the people in this church would pray for the elders and the deacons and the staff. Lord, our goal in life is just to serve you and to represent Jesus Christ and to help lead this local body. We just ask you, Lord, for the prayers of the people. We thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I just thank you for the ones in this in this. Uh, uh, assembly right now in this service. I just pray, Lord, for them. Uh, they're tremendous people. Many college students here, they're making impacts on that campus. I pray, Lord, they'll continue to grow and mature and make an impact for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.